Just a heads up, this story has content about eating disorders that may be triggering for some people. So if it might affect you, it's probably a good idea to tune out now. Every year, about a million Australians are living with an eating disorder and most go without treatment. Eating disorders like anorexia have the highest death rate of any mental illness. And we know that during the pandemic, as we dealt with lockdowns and isolation, cases spiked around the world. So how much support is actually out there for people trying to get help? Because we know politicians have been increasingly investing in this area over the past few years, more than they have previously. But is it helping? Our reporter April McLennan has been looking into it. From my own experience, it's really impacted my study and career, mental, physical health. You know, I've given myself early menopause. Like, I fell over and I broke bones just from falling over. Like, and, you know, people, people die of it. It's a horrible thing. And, yeah, to have something like that for over half your life, it's really serious. I want you to meet Deanne. It's not her real name. Deanne's talking about her journey trying to overcome an eating disorder that she first developed when she was in year 11. It's taken her years to actually start her recovery journey because Deanne reckons it's super hard to actually access suitable support. I was at a point where I felt like I had tried everything and I just thought, I'm just going to have this disease until I die. Like, whether I die because of this disease or... I'm a 70-year-old with this horrible disease. I kind of was at the end. Most jurisdictions around Australia don't have any dedicated public hospital beds for people with eating disorders. Queensland has five and Victoria has 15. Almost all health departments told me they treat people on a case-by-case basis, with beds made available where they're needed. But for 22-year-old Imogen Barnes, she says this can really impact recovery. I was often treated in a medical setting in regional hospitals. Um, And in that case, there just isn't the expertise in eating disorders. It's so lacking. You know, I remember being treated on medical wards and cardiac units with, you know, predominantly elderly people, you know, recovering from a stroke or cardiac surgery. Imogen spent her teenage years in and out of hospital, but she found the treatment was failing her. Sometimes you were discharged from hospital, being refed, often like by a machine, only to be discharged when you'd reached that point of medical stability. No one addressed the psychological aspects of the disorder when you were actually getting the treatment. And so you just arrive out in a, yes, granted, medically stabilised body, but with a mind that hasn't changed at all. Due to calls for more specialised support, most Australian jurisdictions have plans to create dedicated treatments and services. And the New South Wales government's provided almost $100,000 for people to access the Butterfly Foundation's Wandi Nerida on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. It's Australia's first specialised residential eating disorder recovery centre. And Imogen actually travelled from Byron Bay to the facility to get help. She says at Wandi Nerida, she learned how to eat regularly and adequately, prepare meals and be social around food. I fell back in love with living and I was so privileged to have been able to access this because it's something that a lot of Australians still can't access, but it absolutely saved my life and it did more than hospital ever could. It did mean travelling a fair distance. This time it was about five hours away. Deanne's based in the ACT and for years she tried to get help in Australia and even overseas, but nothing was working. So I had seen various psychologists. I'd been to a psychiatrist. My GP said, oh, 
yeah, I've, I've got a daughter with anorexia. You'll never get better. You don't, you will never get better. And having that from a health professional is somewhat disheartening. Earlier this year, she accessed the Canberra Health Services Eating Disorder Clinical Hub and found it to be life-changing. It's the first service of its kind in the country to be run by a public health organisation. Alex Cobb is the coordinator of the hub and she says it's a central point for all eating disorder referrals in the ACT. Prior to the hub being launched, so back in December 2021, the longest wait time someone waited was 644 days. December 2022, now the longest wait time is 78 days. So we've really been able to reduce the time that it takes for someone to engage in the right treatment approach for them. Alex reckons it's had a huge impact on the lives of people trying to connect with services. A lot of people suffer in silence for a really long period of time. And so taking that first step can be really difficult and challenging for people. It also takes a lot of bravery to do that. However, there is hope. We do know that people do get better and can get better with the right treatment, uh, with the right person at the right time. Hack on Triple J. April McLennan with that story. And if you or someone you know needs help with an eating disorder, you can contact the Butterfly Foundation on 1800 334673 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Let's get into this a bit more. Melissa Wilton's with the Butterfly Foundation, which helps with support services, early intervention programs, things like that for people with eating disorders. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us on Hack. Hi, Dave. Nice to be here. We're hearing stories across the country about young people with eating disorders being refused admission to hospital until they're extraordinarily sick. How big is this problem across the country right now? Oh, yeah, obviously we've been hearing these reports too and um, terribly devastating for the families involved. Um, depending on where you live in the country, sometimes you have access to facilities and um, beds which you may not have access to otherwise, so it really shouldn't be dependent on your on, on your postcode. Um, it's very difficult for people to, to access hospital beds, but it's also one of the things that we try to talk about is how to prevent us from getting to that point. It's actually a small percentage of people that need that support, uh, acute hospitalisation. So how can we better support people you know, so that they don't need to get to hospital it's in community and outpatient settings? How much of a difference does early intervention make? It's just it's critical. We know that the sooner someone has access to help for an eating disorder, the more likely they are to fully recover and the faster that recovery is likely to be. Um, we run several prevention programs across the country. We work with schools, communities, families, sporting groups. Uh, it's, just, it's really important to try to get people's support as early as possible. We've got uh, some politicians out there, independent federal MPs, Zoe Daniel, calling on federal and state governments to create eating disorder hubs. And we know that specialised services have started opening up around the country. Do we know what the success rates are for people who are getting treatment in those environments rather than at hospitals? Yeah, well, there has been some federal funding to most of the states to um, develop their own eating disorder residential facilities. At the moment, the only one in Australia is Butterflies of Wanda Nerida that Emmy was talking about earlier um, on the Sunshine Coast. So that's the only residential treatment centre in Australia at the moment. Um, we have 13 beds, which is clearly not enough. Um, of the 60 or so people who've been through that facility, the results have been very good. Um, we are still conducting independent evaluation to be able to demonstrate 
the the efficacy of that clinic of that uh, hospital, but um, it's we've still got a long way to go before we have those in every state and territory to be able to support people better. Do we know how many people out there with eating disorders are not getting treatment? Is there any idea um, just how many people are, are suffering by themselves? Yeah, the um, the research indicates that um, about a quarter of people, sorry, about 25% of people with an eating disorder actually get the support that they need. So that's 75% of people who are just not getting access to treatment support. There's several reasons for that. There's, you know, obstacles to help seeking, um, stigma, um, barriers in terms of accessibility to services, um, lots of obstacles that mean that people are just not getting the help that they need. We heard hospitalisations grew during the pandemic. Is there any idea how things are looking now that lockdowns are over and restrictions have eased a bit? Yeah, Dave, that's definitely true. Um, For example, the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne reported a 63% increase in patients presenting specifically with anorexia nervosa, which is just one type of eating disorder. Um, And in fact, only affects about 3% of people who have an eating disorder. So there are other presentations that are much more prevalent. Um, So yes, hospital visits definitely have increased and we certainly saw increases to our services and our helpline. Um, It seems to have eased somewhat lately, although we are still way above pre-pandemic levels Um, and within certain areas like our um, primary and high school prevention programs, we are still getting significant um, contacts from people wanting help. All right. Well, we appreciate your insight into it. Melissa Wilton from the Butterfly Foundation, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Dave. And remember, if you do need some support or someone you do need support, you can always contact the Butterfly Foundation on 1800 334673. On the text line, Lara says, before my anorexia admission earlier this year, I tried for three straight weeks to be admitted and was the sickest I've ever been by the time I was finally admitted. The Victorian services are so inadequate. Hack on Triple J.